You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Buenas noches, aloha, good evening. Welcome to Metro Vision Studios. My name is Reese Kia Aina. Thank you so much for tuning in to our midweek service tonight. Let's start off with a prayer, then I'm going to do some announcements, then we'll dive into our midweek lesson tonight. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you so much for being a great shepherd as you're shepherding us through this COVID-19 time. And thank you for our church and for every disciple in our church and all our friends and family that are visiting our church right now. We pray that uh, you would be with our church, our churches all over the United States, as well as people throughout the world uh, that we're doing well during this time. We pray that in our midweek service tonight, we could be inspired, encouraged, challenged, uh, we could heed to some announcements. We could be inspired by some announcements. We could look into the word of God and get deeper meaning to encourage our souls. God, we love you. Be with our lesson tonight. We pray these things in Jesus name. Amen. Well, let's start off with some announcements. I want to bring to our attention COVID-19. We are going into our sixth month of COVID-19. You know, let's remember the three W's. Wash your hands, wear your masks. And watch your distance. You know, as we've been talking about COVID-19, our region has done well. In the L.A. church right now, we have seen, in the whole L.A. church of over 5,000 disciples, we have seen about a little over 95 cases that are positive for COVID. Uh, in our region alone, uh, I believe we've seen three cases of COVID-19 uh, people have gotten the medical attention they need. We've notified the proper people uh, if need be in it. And all three are doing well in our region. So please be praying for, for people uh, throughout the L.A. church in our region, as well as in the world, as we all try to deal with this pandemic. You know, there's no significant change in our public health guidelines at the moment. So we'll still be uh, functioning as a region, as a church and still meeting online. The encouraging trend is that hospitalizations as well as infections seem to be going down in L.A. So let's let's keep alert in this time. Let's protect each other. Let's practice the three W's. Wash your hands, wear your mask and watch your distance of six feet when in coming to contact with other people. Amen. I do want to uh, encourage and congratulate Laura Pollard, a sister in our congregation. Congratulations to her. She just received the honor of San Marino District Teacher of the Year. What an honor. Uh, to, we're so proud of her to, to have a disciple who is just excelling in her career right now. She is also a personal development coach. Uh, we're so proud of you, Laura. I hope you're encouraged tonight and what an upward call for all of us. As well as I want to welcome into the kingdom of God, our newest baptism, Darren Johnson, a single brother who was baptized on August 23rd, last Sunday. Uh, so awesome to see people coming to the Lord and having their sins forgiven. And right there, you are going to get a chance to see a new man with a new life and a new purpose. This is his family that came out to support him at that time. Different brothers were studying the Bible with him and so encouraging that a group of men were able to work together to influence, inspire, encourage, share their own stories uh, as they encourage Darren Johnson on his own journey. Amen. Welcome to the kingdom, Darren, as well as 
September 7th, Labor Day weekend. We have a great event for the whole church. I want to encourage our church to come out. It is entitled Worship Land, which is a drive-through encouragement time on September 7th, Labor Day, 10 a.m. to noon, right here at the Gardena building. And if you want to understand what that event is, imagine like at Disneyland, it's a small world ride where this time we're going to be in our cars. We're going to go around our building in our parking lot. You'll get a chance to see different booths that are going to be highlighting different forms of worship. There may be dance, there may be singing, there may be spoken word or rap or, or comedy even. So, uh, just a little bit of encouragement. Uh, you can, you, nobody will be able to get out of their cars. We want you to stay in your cars and go around and get some encouragement, uh, to, to really refresh our faith as well as to encourage our soul. So come out to that September 7th. Labor Day event. Let's also be praying for October 18th, the World Missions Collection. We are supporting uh, five different or a little bit more than five churches here in the Philippines and the Southwest, Tijuana, the Caribbean and Lebanon. Let's be praying for that. And last but not least, our last announcement is a squad update. Jerry and Joy Downing are going to give a short update. Thank you. Good evening, brothers and sisters. My name is Jerry Downing, and I'm here with my wife to share with you all this uh, evening about the squad vision and principles. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be uh, taking the opportunity at our midweek services just to uh, really uh, help to uh, share our vision of what the squad is and the different events that we have going on. We're really excited. We really want as a team to make a real difference for God. But some of you might be asking, what is the squad? And so tonight, what we'd like to do is to share a little bit about what our vision and, and purpose and principles are. So the squad vision is that the Metro LA region squad, the social, cultural, unity, and diversity team, is a group of di disciples of Jesus Christ called to humbly work together to bring Jesus's ministry of reconciliation both to the church and to the to our community as well. And there's a scripture in particular that really inspired us uh, as we were thinking about how to craft this vision. And that scripture is a very popular scripture. We've seen it many, many times before. Robert has shared it through many of the lessons and teaching that he's been doing for us. And that scripture is Micah 6, 8. And I'm going to read just a specific, maybe a different spin. I've got the scripture up and it's kind of got uh, several different uh, translations. And all of these are going to play into what really unfolded into our principles. But in particular, I'd like to tonight read for us the uh, message uh, version. It says, but he he's always made it plain how to live, what to do what God is looking for in men and women. It's quite simple. Do what is fair and just to your neighbor. Be compassionate and loyal in your love and don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. I love that part. So really what that breaks down to for us are three separate principles. And you saw them in the scripture. You've seen it before. It's act justly to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. 
And there's a, there's, there's a lot of, there are a lot of items here that kind of are outlined, but in general, you know, acting justly, you know, I think we all know that God's heart is to be just and right. Uh, in particular, you know, we want to work to dismantle racism, inequality, injustice, both interpersonal and systemic in the church and our, in our larger society and advocate, uh, and work through advocacy of service and education. Uh, in the area of showing mercy, you know, this is a really uh, challenging uh, thing to really take on diversity and talking about issues that may be uncomfortable. And for us as, uh, as disciples of Jesus, we really have to practice having grace and mercy one with each other and also in helping others to really work through their feelings and hurts uh, from the past. And finally, uh, walking humbly. And as it said in the message translation, and don't take yourself too seriously. I really love that. Take God seriously. So the two things that really stand out to me about that principle is that being teachable. I love that as a definition for humility, being teachable and uniting our church and community through our love. And finally, we want to celebrate the many ways in which God has created us as a diverse body of Christ. Now, these are the members of our subcommittee uh, listed here. Uh, sorry, these are actually the leaders of our subcommittees listed here. And our subcommittee currently meets uh, twice a month. And we are working on all kinds of different things. Uh, we have a survey that's basically we're working to put together. So, uh, we want to really get your input about different things that we're working on bringing, uh, bringing to fruition. And so please, if you see that in your inbox, please click it and please provide some feedback, uh, for us. We've also, as a subcommittee, uh, re- made some great recommendations on doing a seven week devotional, uh, from the book called A Crown That Will Last, which is written by a brother in the Minneapolis church named Michael Burns. So we're really looking forward to that. And these are wonderful people who are working very hard to make sure that we uh, realize the vision that really God has for us. Now my wife, Joy, are going to share some encouraging moments. Hi, I'm Joy Downing. And I want to share, during the height of our most recent racial injustices, many of us were wondering what we could do to make a difference. Well, our sister, my friend, Ari, shared with us how she had written a letter to the city of Torrance as well as the Torrance Unified School District. I was really moved by her action and inspired by her faith. So I did the same thing. We were shortly after contacted by the city councilman, George Chan, and he initiated a video conference with us. A few of us have been meeting with him monthly, along with some of the other city leaders, and it's been really encouraging. We've just been dialoguing about diversity, having a conversation around that, as well as just building a friendship, building a partnership. As well, here's some pictures of us, I want to show you those, Um, as well as just trying to figure out how, as a church, we can be of service. And it's just been really great. And I'm just inspired by God and what he's doing. Um, we really love our city and we want it to be a place where people feel welcomed and they belong and special. Another thing um, 
we've been praying for our, our school system and hoping for our school system to be more diverse. Um, one of the things I was able to, we were writing to the school system and I wrote to the superintendent and I shared about our personal experiences. Um, since my kids have been going there since kindergarten, they haven't had a black teacher or a school administrator on campus. Um, I had just asked that they reflect on their hiring practices. Well, a lot of you already know, Grace shared that last week we were able to do a meet and greet with someone who was just hired. His name is Mr. Ian Eddy. And this is him right here. And this is all of the, the families that we got together to meet and greet with him. But we were just elated that Wes had hired an African-American assistant principal. And I really believe that God has been answering our prayers. He's heard our cries. And I, I know for me, one of the things that I'm learning is that if you just have a mustard seed of faith, that God can grow it and do bigger things. So thanks for letting me share. Wasn't that a great announcement and update by the Downings? So encouraged as things are moving in the squad and we are progressing toward equality and just being more aware of some of the injustices that are going on as well as how we as a church can respond. You know, we've been doing a series in our congregation for the last couple of weeks called Lessons from the Desert. And I hope that's been encouraging your faith as the Israelites went through a 40-year desert experience. And a quick summary of what we've looked at so far is that the Israelites were enslaved for over 400 years and God raised up a, uh, a leader, Moses, to take his people and lead them to the promised land. And as they were heading to the promised land, we all know through watching the Prince of Egypt, through our own Bible study in, in the book of Exodus, the, one of the greatest miracles ever, the crossing of the Red Sea. And it was so cool to uh, see the Israelites go through a, a great high and a great miracle in their life and be brought to the promised land. And, and then what happens is, is they're brought to the southern border of Canaan or the promised land at Kardesh Barnea, you know, 12 leaders, Moses sent out 12 leaders to spy the land. And we all know what happened, right? The, the 12 gave two reports. One was a majority or faithless report. One was a minority report or a faith, faithful report. And unfortunately, the majority report kind of won over it, not kind of, totally won over it, two million people approximately. And it caused the Israelites to rebel, to not trust in God. And they didn't want to take the land. And so God disciplined them by going through 40 years of wandering in the desert. And, you know, they were free people, but they certainly weren't freed from a trust in self and a trust a reliance on self. And so God had to work with them. And so some of the lessons we've done so far was the power of faith and faithlessness, right? And I, I hope that encouraged us that, you know, we can respond to trials in our wilderness experience, in our desert experience or tough times and difficult times. The, the last week I did a lesson called the images of the desert where we got a chance to see uh, the one, the first image of a shepherd, you know, what uh, God as a shepherd. And I was going to do a different lesson today, but I thought there's so much about the, uh, having this image of the shepherd and learning about God as a shepherd that I, I wanted to 
do part two of it today. Some of my sources that uh, I've been looking at is from the Israeli Institute of Biblical Studies. Some of it's from the Bema podcast, as well as in my grad graduate program, uh, MRE program, that I've gotten some of this material. So these are some of the things I've been studying, and I hope it'll build your faith and make you be a Berean and, and want to get deeper into the Word of God. Now, last week, we talked about different desert words, right, and how there's so much meaning in Hebrew words. In the biblical Hebrew, there's about, there's 8,000 words. And what's interesting when we learn things from an Eastern perspective, uh, many times in the Bible, images are described. When people look at the Bible, if you come from a Western perspective, oftentimes we, we have information. But from an Eastern perspective, much of the times it's they're they're looking at images you know so when somebody describes god they'll give an image of god like this like god as a shepherd and so we looked at different desert words right the bar in the hebrew means word and midbar means desert and what does word or to talk have anything to do with the desert and well the in in the hebrew word the desert is a is the place of the word it's the place where we're able to hear god's word you have another word madbir which means shepherd where a shepherd leads the sheep by his words and and he talks to the sheep and leads the sheep it's a great image of god leading his people and and being such a great shepherd and this other word lehadbir which means to pasture one's flock and it's this idea of god shepherding his flock into the fields and caring and loving and feeding and protecting them and it's a great illustration that I hope will be ingrained in our minds and our hearts that in the desert, as we all go through our different times of pain and pressure and difficulty, uh, we think of the fact that, wow, in the Bible, it's this picture of God taking his people through difficult times and that it's a time of pain, pressure and difficulty, but it's also a time for us to learn and listen and a time of transformation, which can be very, very encouraging to us. Amen. And so this whole idea of God as a shepherd is what I want to talk about again. And I hope I can illustrate this, you know, this word here, uh, Madbir. So it helps us to remember that when we go through difficult times and we all are going to go through difficult times. Some of you right now are going through tough times, right? Some of you are going through family, uh, being their health is deteriorating. Please be praying for Michelle Carrillo. Her father has had some challenging health situations. I know she's been visiting a couple times. James Keyes just recently lost his mother the other day. And so be praying for the Keys as they're not in LA right now, but you know, they, they're just kind of going through that time of grief right now. And, and please be praying for them as well as Edgar's mom, you know, uh, Maria, who, who's been battling cancer and, and she's been going through treatments and hanging in there. And so we want to be praying and as well as many other situations in the church. And so, you know, as we go, how do you, how do you handle something like that? Like when life hits us, cause life's going to hit every, every one of us, you know, the kids are going back to school right now. Things are challenging in our homes because for almost six months, everything's been online, right? We're not really getting that much out and about and not having that much fellowship in person, but we're trying to have it online. And there's different challenges that are going on right now. And so this idea that God will shepherd us through, I hope will give us great encouragement. You know, 
God as a shepherd is all throughout the Bible. Here are just three examples in Isaiah 40. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. In Psalm 95, verse 7, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Ezekiel 34, 11, for this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. And so we get a, a great picture of what it's like to see God as a shepherd. And I hope that encourages us. You know, when we look at shepherds in the Bible, our lens to, just like my glasses right here, right? I have a lens on it. Uh, the lens to which we look at the Bible matters. And, you know, we come from, if you were born and raised in America, in the United States, we come from a Western perspective. And so we're going to have a Western Hellenistic Greek perspective as we look at life. That's just part of being in America. But one of the things we're looking at and, and been studying, I've been studying is things from perhaps an Eastern lens or Eastern perspective from a Jewish perspective and Jewish culture that helps to illustrate different things that we read in the Bible. And so part of the Bema podcast and different things I've been learning is about coming from that perspective and then looking at the Bible and giving it context so we can see different meanings that pop out, you know, uh, come out to us. Uh, that can really encourage, inspire us. Uh, it's very, very inspiring. You know, in the desert, in Eastern culture, that's where the shepherds were. Shepherds lived in the desert. And it's where they led and cared for their sheep and flock. And it's that image of God leading his people. And the shepherds led by their voice, not by their stick or staff. You know, they led by their voice and the, the sheep listened to their voice as they're going through the desert. And we're all going to have desert moments in our life. So I, I hope this lesson, if you're in a desert moment right now, I hope this encourages uh, your soul tremendously. Now, an example of Western perspective is like when, when, when I think of sheep, I tend to look at it this way. And this is an idea, an example of a Western perspective. You know, the fields are, this lush fields. There's abundance there, right? Beautiful white sheep, acres of lush grass, easy access, and this notion of abundance. What a life, right? If, if you're in this situation right here, like if you look at things from this perspective, the sheep are, there's abundance everywhere and a shepherd is just guiding and leading them. But from an Eastern perspective, it looks a little more like this where they're in a dry, barren, sparse place. The sheep are dirty, you know, uh, very little grass, very barren, very lush. I mean, very dry, sparse, hot, extremely rough terrain. The notion of very little is in the desert. And, and these two views are, are important to how we look at the Bible. You know, we tend to look at it from a Western perspective, but some of the things we've been studying is, is opening, you know, giving us an opportunity to look at things from an Eastern perspective. And another thing I learned, uh, you know, is, is that the shepherds in Eastern culture, they, 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 the sheep and the goats graze together. Almost always a shepherd has a, a herd or a flock of sheep and goats. That's part of just Eastern culture. Well, you go, well, why is that? Well, there's two resources for the shepherds, right? Sheep and goats. Sheep produce wool. Goats produce milk. You know, the sheep eat 
uh, the, the patches of grass in the desert, like we learned last week, right? They, they go and they find those little patches in the desert and eat from that. The goats, on the other hand, eat everything else but the, but the grass. They'll eat the, the shrubs, the leaves, the weeds. Like if you had a patch of weeds, uh, you know, in a pasture, put some goats on it, man, cause they'll eat up all the weeds. And so, so when the shepherds would take the sheep and the goats out to graze, you know, the sheep would be eating the grass and the goats would be eating everything else. Another thing about sheep and goats, sheep are great followers. They're excellent followers. They listen well. They listen to the voice of the shepherd. Goats, on the other hand, are stubborn and they're independent and they're, they're in the herd. They're in the group, but, but they kind of do their own thing, you know, uh, Think about that. Are you a sheep or are you a goat in your life? Do you, do you listen well or are you a goat? Like, so I'm so challenged by this because I'm a goat. I've always been a goat, man. I kind of do my own thing, you know, and that's kind of my makeup. That's the pride in my life that I kind of have been independent and just growing up and all that. And so becoming a disciple and learning about this helps me to understand, wow, I need to become, I need to be more of a sheep, you know, that is a great listener to the shepherd and, and will be led and guided and not be a goat and just do my own thing, eat whatever I want to do. I'm not part of the herd. I'm kind of in the herd, but not really. I'm stubborn. I, I want to go my own way when all the sheep over there, the goats are always going their own way and the shepherd has to bring them in. It's a great illustration. I mean, think about Matthew 25 where Jesus, right? Is the parable of the sheep and the goats. That's there because that is Eastern culture. Shepherds would take their sheep and the goats out to graze together. And so my question is, are you a sheep or are you a goat? Look at the Israelites in their 40 year experience. Oftentimes they were like goats. And so they were disciplined. They, God, God had lessons he wanted to provide for them. And so last week, this was my lesson right here. You know, three points that God led the Israelites in the desert, right? They were led. They weren't lost. God provided manna and clothes for the Israelites. And it's the idea of just having enough. Remember, I showed that slide where in the desert, there's patches of grass rather than just a pasture like we think from a Western perspective. Just enough. God provided the word for the Israelites in the desert. Not a lot of word, but just enough for them to hear, to be directed, and that when it seems like they're directionless, they're not. They had direction, but they needed to listen. And it's a great illustration for us in the point that in the desert, God will give you just enough to sustain you. Isn't that encouraging to know that when you're going through tough times, man, God is going to give you just enough so that you can survive as well as thrive. But it won't be in abundance. And, you know, for me, I struggle with that. I think I have such a Western perspective, American perspective, that I struggle when things aren't in abundance. Like if I'm just getting by, it's almost like, uh, I, I don't know if I want to do that. I, I want abundance. And yet the desert experience is there to teach us that when we go through tough times, when, when, when there's a lot of unknowns or uncertainties, it's okay. As long as we got a shepherd. As long as we can hear our shepherd, God and Jesus, right? We're okay. We'll be okay in our times of challenge. And I hope that encourages us. We'll be okay. And so what I want to do tonight is go a little bit deeper. You know, I hope let's kick it up a notch, right? Let's go a little bit deeper in a passage. I want to look at a passage and close out here where 
we're going to look at perhaps one of the best known Psalms in the Bible, especially when we're in a desert moment or a a time of great trial or feeling like we've been in the wilderness for many years and we don't know how to get out. And it's Psalm 23. And I'm going to show you an example of as we look at this passage with the understanding of some of these Hebrew desert words how it can deepen the passage, open up new meaning, and help us to be fed spiritually. Amen? So in Psalm chapter 23, verse 1, this is David speaking, a shepherd, right? David was a shepherd. In verse 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And what I love about this passage is that the first thing David points out is that, wow, he looks at God as his shepherd. And do you look at God as your shepherd this evening? Like, like I am being shepherded. He is a shepherd. You know, the shepherd was one of the main leadership metaphors throughout the Bible. Uh, as you look in, in the New Testament, we see it there. It, it, God is a shepherd in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, in John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. We're being not only shepherded by God, but also by Jesus. He is known as the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. In verse 14, it says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know my father and I lay my life down for the sheep. And I love that, you know, that like, wow, we're, we're being shepherded. God is the shepherd. Jesus is also the good shepherd. He lays his life down for us. That's how committed he is in caring for us, loving us, providing for us like Our lives matter to him. And so when we're going through difficult times, hang in there because you're being shepherded at the moment. Uh, In verse one, another thing it says is I lack nothing. I mean, think about that. Dave is going, I lack nothing. In another translation, it says, I shall not be in want. And it's that idea, right, where David understands, wow, God is shepherding. And so we're we're always going to be led to a a place where we're going to get exactly what we need when we need it in his time just enough to help us through that time. In Deuteronomy chapter 2, as as Moses recounts the 40-year experience, God was telling him this, The Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He has watched over your journey through this vast wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you, and you have not lacked anything. I mean, what an awesome passage, right? They didn't lack anything when they're in the desert. The Israelites thought they lacked everything. But in reality, God was always providing for them to be able to meet their needs. And and I hope that encourages us. In verse two, it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. And so when you, when, from a Western perspective, this is perhaps how we look at God's going to, when we go through a difficult time, God's going to help us lie down in green pastures. Like, oh, look at, look at the abundance. Look at the land of plenty, right? Western perspective of green pastures, Eastern perspective of green pastures is this, is there pockets where God's going to lead. God's going to guide us to, to get what we need. Those little patches of grass where we get nourishment from. That's what we learned last week. Uh, and I hope, I hope that helps open up our minds for a minute. You know, that when we're going through difficult times, it is going to be barren. It is going to be dry. It is going to be hot, if you will. It is going to be challenging. And yet, if we if we listen, if we slow down, we're being led properly to green pastures. In verse 2, it also says, 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. And again, look at, that's a picture there that is more from a Western lens, Western perspective of the lush waters, the quiet waters. In other translations, it says still waters. But from an Eastern perspective, this is what quiet, still waters looks like. When the rains would come in the desert, and, and, and because it didn't rain enough, the rain would, would get forced to be in like a little pool. And that pool would be muddy and dirty and, and small. So you can imagine a big herd of sheep and goats coming to drink water here. Uh, it's not a, it's not a land of plenty. It's just enough that can quench their thirst. And that's that idea that when we're going through tough times, we're going to be thirsty in it. But remember, God will lead us to quiet waters. And it's not the abundance that God perhaps leads us to. It's that that water that's there like Jesus. You know, he's the living water. And that one word from him can quench our thirst. It's that idea of being taken care of and being led by a shepherd. And so as long as we understand that when when we have this image of, of a shepherd guiding us, man, we are protected. We are being nourished. We are being cared for tremendously in our life. In verse 3, it says, He guides me along the right paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And again, right, it's it's easy to look at a passage from just the Western perspective. Now, guys, when I say Western perspective versus an Eastern perspective, I'm not saying one is better than the other. Because we come from a Western perspective, when we learn things from an Eastern perspective, boy, there's so much that can jump out of the, you know, the Bible at us and help us to understand the context of it and get different meaning out of it. And I want to encourage us in that to explore, you know, that's been some of the challenge of us in our fellowship or in our movement that we've kind of been very narrow in just certain ways in which we learn and we be exposed to things in the Bible. And yet, as I've been going through my graduate program, I'm exposed to so many different other kinds of teachers, you know, that are biblical, uh, different ways of learning, looking things at, looking at things from an Eastern perspective that, wow, it's been so encouraging. And, and I'm fired up teaching about this because it, it helps me to understand even deeper what God is trying to say. Uh, and so right paths of righteousness, right? We're thinking, well, God is going to lead me down the right path. And I, in Israel, this is what's called the path of righteousness is where a shepherd, you see these little, it's in a path has been ingrained in the mountain because shepherds for, you know, hundreds of years have taken their sheep to the pastures. And so there's a, in, you know, indention, if you will, or it's ingrained. And there's a path that goes up the mountain throughout the desert to where they can feed and where they can get water and where they can be nourished. And so that's an example of from an Eastern perspective, when David's talking about the path of righteousness, wow, there, there's a path. It looks dangerous. It, it may be difficult. It, it may be like, I don't know if I should go that way, but it's been tested. The hundreds of years of, of shepherds taking their sheep through the land so that the sheep can be fed and nourished and taken care of it. Wow, that just, that, op- that helps me to go, wow, when I'm in difficult times and I'm going through something, man, I can go down that path. Why? Because it has been tested. The scriptures teach me that shepherds have already taken many sheep down that road and goats down that road. And I will be taken care of as I go down that road as well. You know, we we know this passage in verse four, even though I walk through the darkest valley or in another translation, it says shadow valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil 
for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And when we go through challenging times, we're always understanding that, wow, this passage soothes our soul, right? It helps us, gives us perspective. Because as we go through our the valley of shadow of death, difficult times, it's, well, we, we understand that, wow, we don't have to fear because God is with us. And his rod, his staff, it, it comforts us. It's not whacking us, you know. Uh, sometimes I used to think shepherds, they get that stick and whap, you know, and that's not the true shepherd. That might be another shepherd, but it's not the God-like, Jesus-like, and shepherds of the Bible. They didn't use their stick for that. They used their stick or staff for defense, protection, not to whack or to goad the sheep because they're not following. Or the goats, they got, the goat went so far off, what that? You know, they're not doing that. It's there to comfort. It's there as a, as a, as a, a, a means of protection. And, uh, what an illustration that is. Now, in Israel, though, in the Judean desert, there is what's called the Valley of the Shadow of Death. And here is what it is. The Arabic name for it is called Wadi Kelt, Q-E-L-T, W-A-D-I-Q-E-L-T. And it is a valley to which, you know, it's, you can see, look at that, it's barren. But you can also see different patches where the shepherds would take their sheep to graze and goats to graze. So in the midst of this right here, the valley of shadow of death is if a, it's a dangerous place, there's dangerous animals in it. The danger would be for a shepherd to take a sheep there and they, and they don't come back at night. They, they don't leave early enough and it gets night, nightfall happens. And you know how it is. You can imagine, you know how dark it is out there. I mean, it is dark. There's no way of finding their way back home in that kind of darkness. Uh, and so it's, that's where this is what it's talking about. The valley of the shadow of death is a shepherd taking his sheep out and not coming back by nightfall. It's, that's the, the shadow of death right there. Things could happen. It's a dangerous place. Uh, if they don't get home, if the shepherd doesn't lead his sheep out of it. Extremely dark, very dangerous terrain with animals, but there's hope as long as they had their shepherd. It goes on in verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's, see, I, even, it's the idea that David is talking about that as they come out of their valley, you know, a shepherd would prepare a table, hospitality. Isn't that cool? It's like a shepherd would come and, and provide hospitality after they come in, you know, and, uh, it's, it's the idea that, 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 that we not only will be taken care of, we'll be satisfied, uh, as we come out of our valleys, our difficult times. We, we call this table fellowship. And isn't it interesting that this passage about, you know, you prepare a table before me, table fellowship. In the New Testament, the table fellowship is the Lord's Supper. I mean, look at the connections that can go on between the Old Testament and New Testament with God as the shepherd and Jesus as the good shepherd and, and you know, different words in the Hebrew that, that correlate to different words in the New Testament. And this idea of a table being prepared, you know, as David is like, wow, there's a table prepared for me. I'm going to be fed and cared and honored. And, and in the New Testament, Jesus with the Lord's Supper, table fellowship, that all are welcome to the table. No matter how sinful, no matter what you've done, every single person is welcome to that table to be honored and cared for with the love of Jesus. Amen. Isn't that encouraging? That's so encouraging. And so 
What did we learn tonight? Okay. What are some things that perhaps we can take away tonight? In Psalm 23, with this image of God as a shepherd, was a shepherd. God is a shepherd who will lead and guide. We're taken care of. We're being led. Even when it seems like we're not being led, we're being led. It's also a shepherd who will provide just enough that we'll be led to places in our life where we're going to get just enough. If we pay attention, we listen, we, we're good sheep. You know, we're listening to our master's voice, or our shepherd's voice. Uh, it's also, uh, God is also a shepherd who will protect from danger. They have, that shepherd has his stick or staff to protect the sheep. And, and no matter if you're in the valley of shadow of death, there's a way out. You know, there's a way that that shepherd can, can lead the sheep out. But the shepherd is also one who will practice hospitality. It's, it's part of being a shepherd is not only taking care of the sheep, but also providing hospitality to guests and, and, and that in their DN, spiritual DNA, if you will. And so those are some of the things we learn about God as we go through dark times. And I hope that encourages us during this COVID-19, if you've been going through some difficult times. Why is this image of a shepherd important to know? Why is it important that we understand that God, this image of God as a shepherd as we go through challenging times? Well, it's so we can learn to trust God in our desert and dark moments. It's also so we can learn to listen to his voice and follow his direction in our lives. Don't be a goat, right? Don't just do your own thing. Follow the direction of the shepherd and uh, we'll be okay. But it's also so we can learn that we'll be okay in our dark moments because God is there right there with us. And so here's some practicals tonight. What can you do to really build your faith? What can you do to to stay engaged with God as he is always trying to speak to us and guide us and lead us and shepherd us and 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 lead us down certain paths of righteousness? Well, read our Bibles and do what it says. Reading our Bibles and doing what it says is so important to being connected to God and understanding his word and, and letting scriptures open up from from an, as we look at it through an Eastern lens or Eastern perspective. Another thing you can do is pray with a partner. Let's get back to prayer partners, you know, praying. We just finished in the teen ministry. We just finished 11 weeks every Tuesday night at 11 p.m. for the last 11 weeks. I don't know if I've ever done that in my Christian life, to be honest, uh, but I was so encouraged. We just finished 11 weeks of prayer with the teens for anybody who wanted to join. Some of the parents joined on uh, of just prayer. And that's been so encouraging. So that's what you can do. You can pray about things in your life. Another thing we can do as we go through tough times is be open about temptations as well as be open about sin in our lives. Another thing we can do, repent. Say that word. Turn to your neighbor and go, repent. You know, it's a great word. It's it's a it's what helps us stay saved. That's what helps us to have transformation in our life. It's such an amazing word, metanoia, the changing of one's mind. As well as what we can do is incorporate life-giving activities in our lives. You know, do things that give you life. You know, one of the things over the summer, I love to fish. Now I'm going to be going back to school this Saturday, so I'm not going to be fishing for the next four months. But I was doing a little bit of fishing here, a little bit of golf every once in a while like that to hang out with the guys and different people were reaching out to. But those are activities that are life giving to me. You know, those that was, that's what I needed. Uh, I'm a water guy. You know, I'm from Hawaii. I was almost like born in the water. And so I need to be around water and, and go by do my prayer walk by the water. And 
you know, so whatever works for you, but you, you're going to need some things in your life during our COVID-19 time that gives you life. So whatever that is for you, figure that out and, and talk to one another about, about what are they doing? What's this person doing to have, to have activities in their life that give them life rather than things that only take their life, you know, take away from their life. So I hope those practicals are encouraging. Here's what you can do in your discussion groups tonight is what is one thing that surprised or interrupted you tonight? As you were listening to the lesson, what's something that surprised you or interrupted you? As well as another discussion question, what is the spirit calling me to be or do in my life right now? Talk about that one, you know, because God is always speaking to us. And if if we learn to trust while we're in the desert and obey, it's amazing what God can do in our lives as we learn to listen and trust him. Let's learn from the Israelites. Let's learn from David that in our wilderness experiences, in our valley of shadow of deaths, if you will, or moments, we have a shepherd like no other leading, guiding, protecting, providing, and showing us hospitality to encourage our souls. As we leave tonight, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your attention. Have some great discussion groups tonight. Good night. You've just listened to the Metro LA Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com 